All right, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to talk about worship today, this first Sunday of Advent. Specifically, we're going to talk about Christmas is worship. Christmas is worship. So I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and then I'm going to read to you from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea <clears throat> in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. You should note that. Why did they come? They came to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly great. They had, I'm sorry, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I hold your place there, and I want to read to you John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Jesus speaking here. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Advent means coming. The season of Advent is the season of the coming of Christ. It is the time of year that we celebrate Christ's coming. Now we often, <clears throat> we often talk about and think about the coming of Christ in terms of his second coming. And I think sometimes we focus on his second coming so much that we kind of minimize or forget that there was a first coming. Kind of makes sense, right? You can't have a second unless you have a first. And the reason there will be a second coming is because there was a first coming. And it's not in the second coming that Jesus 
accomplishes our salvation. It was in his first coming that he accomplished our salvation. Jesus, when he was on the cross, uttered these words. The last words he uttered on the cross were, it is finished. Jesus didn't say, I will come again and finish what I started. He said on the cross, it is finished. And so Christmas is the time that we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And in this account recorded for us in Matthew chapter 2, we see that there were, as the Bible describes them, wise men. Some, sometimes they're referred to as magi. Now more than likely, these were wise men who lived probably in what was then or what was Babylon, what would be today, present-day Iraq. And they would have traveled from that region of Iraq or Iran over to Jerusalem because they saw in the heavens, they saw in the stars a sign. Now, why would they have been looking for a sign? Well, more than likely, they were if they weren't Jewish, they were influenced by the Jews that had spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon some 500 years earlier. And the Jews knew and understood the prophecies that a star would rise, that a scepter would rise up out of Judah, out of Bethlehem. They quote the prophet right here. And so based on the scripture we go back to the scripture based on the scripture they understood that the time was drawing near that the messiah would come and when they saw the sign they understood the meaning of the sign and these wise men traveled from afar bearing gifts now we don't know if there were only three of them we portray in our christmas programs three because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we are assuming that one brought gold, one brought frankincense, and one brought myrrh, but we don't really know that. We know they were wise men, so there was a plurality of them, but it could have been actually more. But whatever the case is, these wise men traveled from afar to find the child that the signs in the heavens spoke of his birth and they found that child and they came the bible says they traveled so that they could worship him so they go to king herod in jerusalem and they talk to herod and what does herod say hey go find this child for me so that i too may worship him so there was one group of men wise men who came to worship this child, this king. There was a king who professed that he wanted to worship this child, but we know that he didn't really want to worship the child. He wanted to destroy the child so that his kingdom would be preserved because he didn't want anyone taking his kingdom. And when they came to the child, the scripture says that they fell down before him, because that's what worship is. They fell down before him, and they worshiped him 
and gave him gifts. So what I want you to see that Christmas is inherently about worship. Specifically, it is about worshiping the one true and living God who sent his only begotten son into the world that the world through him might be saved. Now, that's why I read John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave love and giving is part of our worship. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, in our politically correct culture, there's an effort to de-emphasize what Christmas is truly about so that it can become this all-inclusive holiday. Now, we can say there's a sinister or evil motive behind that, and no doubt there is an enemy called the devil, who wants to destroy all that Christmas is about, doesn't want you to know what the true meaning is, doesn't want you to get that Christmas is about worship. But, but also, much of this is not just some evil, sinister motive. It's just, it's just who we are as human beings. You think about much of, of, of what we talk about when we talk about the commercialization of Christmas is by design to capture more dollars by making gift-giving, the gift-giving season less religious, less specific, less offensive, and therefore more profitable. If only Christians celebrate Christmas, then other people that aren't Christian might not be tempted to buy as many gifts but if we can make Christmas this thing that is for all people, which in reality it is for all people, you understand. God sent his son into the world. He sent his son to all people, not just some people. But if we can make Christmas this thing that is not so specific, not so, then, then more people will get in on it. So, there is that motive that we see. Don't say Merry Christmas, say Happy Holidays, because you might offend somebody, and we don't want them to be offended, because then they might not come to our store and buy their gifts. But here's the reality. Try as man might, man cannot overthrow the truth and man cannot overthrow the plan and the purpose of God. We read a scripture in the Proverbs last Wednesday. Proverbs 21.30 says, There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the kings plot vain things? The apostles, the disciples quoted this. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 4 when they come back from being beaten for preaching Jesus. And they quote the psalm. Why do the nations rage? Why do the kings plot vain things? Because the nations and the kings cannot overthrow the purpose of God. It was the purpose of God for Jesus to come and die on that cross. So the nations may continue to rage and the kings may continue to plot, but they rage and they plot against the Lord in vain. What we have come to call Christmas the celebration of the birth of the Christ child, the Messiah and the King, 
has always been a celebration rooted in worship. We see this in Matthew chapter 2. The wise men came to worship. And when they found the Christ child, the first thing they did was worship. And in their worship, they gave gifts. So Christmas is about worship. It's about worshiping the God who gives. Specifically, it is about worshiping the God who gave His only begotten Son. You hear many people talk about Christmas being about giving. This is the giving time of year. This is the season of giving. Last Tuesday was Giving Tuesday. I mean, we come up with all kinds of gadgets and gizmos and ploys to get people to give. And as soon as Halloween is over, Christmas begins. And the only reason Christmas, it actually begins before Halloween, but Halloween has actually become quite a profitable holiday for people as well. You notice a lot of people decorate their yards for Halloween just like they do for Christmas. So we take down the, you know, the ghosts and the goblins and the witches and we put up the wise men and the little baby Jesus and all the Christmas lights and Santa Claus. And so our culture just gets in on this. It's all about this profit motive. It's all about this thing. But, but that's man's motive. God has a different motive. And God doesn't really get hung up on, you understand what I'm saying? God doesn't get hung up with Christmas becoming more commercialized or Christmas, more people giving gifts and not understanding what the gifts really are about because the very act of giving gifts, the very act of celebrating Christmas, whether you realize it's Christmas or not, is testifying to this reality that the Christ child was born. Christ came and those wise men, they went and they worshipped him and they gave gifts. And the reason that we have a Christmas tree, the reason we had a Christmas parade last night, the reason you're going to go Christmas shopping and make a Christmas dinner and give Christmas gifts, the reason you're going to do all that is because Jesus came. We didn't just decide to do that one day because it seemed like a good idea and December seemed like a good month to do it. We did that because Christ was born. And whether men understand the reason behind the season, can you see that the season explodes with giving and celebration and light and life, even when other times of year don't do that? Christmas moves people in ways that other things can't move them that testifies to the grace and the glory of God. Now, we as believers should understand the reason for the season. We as believers should understand what all of this really means and what all of it really represents. And we as believers should be that much more enthusiastic about our own celebration of this season. And we don't want to hide the reason for the season. We want to proclaim the reason for the season. We want to make our worship of Jesus, the Christ, something that the world knows about. This is why we meet and we worship publicly, not privately, not hidden, 
We worship publicly. And worship is not just something we do by ourselves. It's what we do with one another. The word worship literally means to bow down. And the understanding is to bow down in homage, to give special honor or respect in public. When you come before the king, you don't say, King, I'll bow down to you when I get home in my closet. I'll bow down before you. But here in public, I'm going to pretend like I don't know you. <clears throat> no, that's not how it works. The king would not appreciate that. We wouldn't do that to an earthly king, but we do it to the king of kings. And we say things like, well, you know, your worship is for Sunday morning. It's for the privacy of your own home. It's, it's for, for you to hold within your heart, within yourself. No, that's not true. Worship is the exact opposite. The word worship means a public expression of homage and respect, of bowing down, of humbling ourselves before this one true and living God. Worship is, cannot, by its very definition, be kept private and hidden. It must find a public expression. This is a public expression of worship. That's why this expression of worship is so very important. It's why the assembling of the saints together is very important because you driving to church on Sunday morning is giving a public expression of worship to your neighbors and to the people that see you. The fact that we're here together is a public expression of worship. So worship is public. It's a public expression of our private and personal beliefs and convictions. Worship, by its very definition, necessitates this public expression. It's why when we had the parade last night, we were very proud to call it a Christmas parade, not just a happy holiday parade. Because the point of the parade was to celebrate Christmas. Do we assume that everyone watching the parade who lined the streets, that all of those people were Christians? No, we don't assume that. Do we assume that everyone who lined the streets and watched the parade believes exactly what we believe about Christmas? No, we don't assume that. But in reality, here's the thing. That parade, in reality, though people enjoyed it and we put it on for people's enjoyment, thank you, Tammy and Craig Uhlenfeld, because there would be no parade without Tammy and Craig Uhlenfeld. I'll just say that. They probably don't want me to say that, but they work so hard and make that possible. But the reality for the parade is this. That parade was for God. It was an expression of worship to our God. This service today, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to learn from it, to grow from it. But before it's anything else, this service today is an expression of worship to our God. This is what Christmas is about. This is what our worship is. It is the expression of what we hold, yes, privately and personally, but that worship must come out. So Christmas is about worship. 
Worship is about love. Many would say that Christmas is about love. And it is because worship is about love. Christmas is about love first in the context of God's love for us. God's love for us demands our worship of Him and therefore our love for Him. Jesus was asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus quotes from the Old Testament Scripture, this is the first and great commandment that you love God with all your heart. That you love God with all your heart. Our love for God is reflected in our worship of God and in our love for one another. So this act of worship, this public expression of worship is not just our worship of God, our love of God, but it is also an expression of love for one another. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, Considering one another, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Considering one another, to provoke one another to love and good works, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We assemble together because we consider God, but we also assemble together because we consider one another. Worship is about loving God, but it is also about loving one another. So our love for God is reflected in our worship for God, but also in our love for one another. Our ability to love God comes from God's love for us. This is what John the Apostle writes in 1 John 4.19. We love Him because He first loved us. Worship is about love. It's about loving God and loving one another. So yes, Christmas is about love. Because Christmas is about worship. And there is no worship without love. Worship is about giving. Christmas and the act of giving is inseparable because worship is inherently about giving. At its foundation, worship is about giving yourself to God. That word worship meaning to, to fall down, to bow down in humble submission before God. This is an act of giving yourself to God. Now you're sitting upright in a chair. And yes, you are worshiping. You're not falling down on the floor. But, but that word worship literally means to fall down on the floor. So does that mean that to worship we must fall down on the floor? Well, not literally. But it, it could. Are you opposed to falling down? on the floor before God and worshiping Him? I hope you're not. I'm not asking you to do that. No one's requiring you to do that. But, but where is your heart? Is your heart prostrate before God? Is your heart in humble submission, flat out before Him? Where is your heart? Or is your heart opposed to Him? Is your heart standing tall in opposition to God? Or is your heart bowed down flat on its face before God, because that's what worship means. So before worship is some outward expression 
or physical position. Worship is the condition of our heart. Because someone can hold a gun to your head and make you get down on the floor, but that does not mean that you're actually worshiping. So worship begins in our heart. Worship is about giving. Christmas and the act of giving is is inseparable. Giving yourself is the act of worship that God calls us to. When you walk through these doors today, I want you to understand that you walk through these doors to give yourself as an act of worship to God. That the very act of coming to this place and coming through those doors was conveying that. Now, you might not have been conscious of that, but I want you to become conscious of that. That when you worship God, you are actively giving yourself to God, surrendering yourself to God. That is what worship is. Christmas is seen as the giving time of year because our culture has become fixated on buying and giving gifts as the highlight of this Christmas season. And many people lament that it has become too commercialized and it's lost its true meaning. And no doubt, much of what is now associated with Christmas and the Christmas season is driven by smart marketers and retailers. And they do this to maximize their profits, to to increase their sales. And it works. Why does it work? Because there's truth rooted and grounded in what this season is all about. This season is about giving. Why? Because God gave. If there wasn't any truth in this, then it wouldn't work. It works because giving is a vital part of Christmas. People that disassociate themselves from Christmas and gift giving as a protest to the commercialization of Christmas miss the point. God gave, so it is our privilege to give. And it is our obligation to give. Those wise men recorded there in Matthew 2 gave willingly, but they also gave out of a sense of obligation. You don't go before a king empty-handed. You don't go before a king without a gift, even if it is just giving yourself. They came before the king, they fell down and they worshiped and they gave him gifts. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Because this is what Christmas is about. Because we celebrate the gift God gave, the gift of his son. He was born. And we celebrate that birth, that coming of the son. Giving begins in your heart. How you give and what you give should be guided by God and His holy word and His holy example. Jesus is the holy example that should guide our giving. The fact that He was given, the fact that He gave His life, the fact that He gave of Himself for you and for me. We should let God, not the mass marketers, not the mass defectors, define our giving. The quality and the value of giving 
begins in your heart. Therefore, the quality and the value of worship begins in your heart. The wise man had one heart to worship. Herod professed to want to worship, but his profession of worship was only lip service because he had a different heart motive. The wise men had one heart motive. Herod had another heart motive. What is the heart motive of our worship? Worship is about giving, and that is why Christmas is about giving. Man, in all of his efforts to profiteer and commercialize and politicize and de-emphasize the reality that Christmas is about, about the worship of Jesus Christ, is only really emphasizing that Christmas is about the worship of Jesus Christ. There are plenty of people that don't know that out there. We know it. We need to make it known. We need to remind them through our own worship, through our own loving, through our own giving, that this is what this season is about. It is about the worship of the Son of God. And how do we worship Him? We love and we give in honor of Him. Christmas can never be just another happy holiday because Christmas marks the birth of the Savior and the coming of that Savior demands our worship. When you go to the book of Revelation that records the second coming of Jesus, you see that when Jesus comes, He does not give man the option to worship picture that is painted there is when Jesus comes again in his second coming men will fall down in worship because they have no choice now there will be men like the wise men who worship from their heart there will be men like Herod who will bow down in worship before him because they have no choice but it's not in their heart The enemy and sinful nature of man seek to destroy the true meaning of Christmas because the true meaning of Christmas marks the destruction of the work of the devil. Listen to the words of John the Apostle in 1 John 3.8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Let me just point out what that really is saying there. You don't see it necessarily in the English, but when it says he who sins, we're not talking about occasional slip-ups, because we all have those. What that is conveying there is he who practices sin, he who lives a lifestyle of sin, he who makes sin the manner of his lifestyle, he who lives in sin and lives to sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Christmas marks the beginning of the end of the works of the devil. Do you understand why the devil wants so 
badly to destroy what Christmas is about. Do you understand why the devil wants so desperately for humanity to miss what Christmas is all about? Because Christmas, the coming of the Christ child, marked the beginning of the end of the works of the devil. And you and I, who are we? We are Christ bearers. We bear the image of Christ. If you are in Christ today, if you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells inside of you. And you are a vessel. Paul calls us jars of clay. We're a jar of clay that contains the power and the excellence and the glory that is the very presence of God by His Holy Spirit. You bear the image of God. You bear the presence of God. You carry the presence of God as a child of God. And you as a child of God should understand what this season we call Christmas is all about. And we need to understand that there is an enemy who wants to destroy that meaning. But here's the good news. He can't. He can't destroy it. It doesn't matter what Target does. It doesn't matter what JCPenney does. It doesn't matter what the U.S. government does or the United Nations does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what law they pass. It doesn't matter what they allow or what they forbid. They cannot destroy what Christmas is about because they cannot destroy Christ. Because Christ has already destroyed the systems of this world. He has already destroyed the works of the devil. He has already made a public show and humiliation of the, of the devil. He has already won the victory. And there is nothing our culture or anyone can do to reverse that. It can't be. In fact, not only can they not reverse it, they cannot stop the increase of it. This is what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 9. When Isaiah, 750 years before the birth of Jesus, prophesies his birth and says, Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of his government and peace there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. So not only will it remain, but it will never cease to increase. So don't despair. Don't get upset. Don't get worried about what anyone or anything is doing to try to stop Christmas. They can't do it. Because Christmas is about Christ. And Christ has already won. He has already finished what needs to be finished. He uttered those words on the cross. It is finished. And every year we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate that reality. But we also understand that this is not a seasonal celebration. This is an eternal celebration. Through the promise and hope that we are given in Jesus Christ. 
all that has fallen, all that is broken will be made beautiful and glorious and even more so for having been broken. Christmas is about worship. Our worship, including our love and our giving, is to this end. It is to the glory of God. The word Christmas may mark a season on our calendar, a day on our calendar. But what Christmas is, what Christmas represents, is not seasonal. It is eternal. We don't celebrate it a month out of the year. We celebrate it every day of the year. And we will celebrate it throughout eternity. And what really marks what this season is about is not that Christmas tree or those ornaments or wreaths or decorations. What really marks what this season is about is that table right there. It's the table we come to, not once a year, not in the month of December, but it's the table we come to every week. And the reason we come to this table every week is so that we are reminded every week of what we celebrate once a year called Christmas but in reality what we celebrate that we call Christmas is what we are to celebrate to remember to honor to worship every day of every year it is what God has given to us it is the privilege he's given to us he gave his son his son has given us the gift of eternal life that table reminds us of how that gift has come to us. It came to us because he was born, because he lived, and because he died on the cross. And that death on the cross that we remember when we come to this table testifies not only of the sacrifice made that bought our salvation, but it testifies of that Paul writes, until he comes again. So that table not only testifies of his first coming, it testifies of his second coming. And beyond that, the eternity that we are promised with God in Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. I want us to get ready to come to the table. This is our worship. And let's stand. Now having said that, I want you to understand, I think Christians should be the greatest proponents of having the most fun, the most joyful celebrations, especially in the times of year like this. Season, the season of Christmas for the believer there should be no one that has more fun, more joy than we do because we, above everyone else, should understand what this season really is supposed to represent. Christianity is not a self-help religion. The help we need can only come from God and it's only provided by God. So Christmas isn't our celebration of what we can do for ourselves along with God's help. Christmas is the celebration of what God did for us that we could not do for ourselves. God sent the gift of His Son, and in the Son we are given the gift of eternal life.
by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works so that no person will ever be able to boast. God first gave because God first loved. God gave life in His creation. God gave His Son. God gives the gift of eternal life in His Son. And when we are made new creations, we are given the capacity to love God, to love one another, to give our worship to God, and to give our love to one another, and to give our gifts to one another. We love God because God first loved us. We give because God first gave, and we continue to love and to give because God continues to love and to give. Your act of worship is an act of loving. It is an act of giving. Your acts of love and your acts of giving are acts of worship. And what you consistently give yourself to is what you love. It is ultimately what you worship. So I charge you, Christian, to worship God, to love God, and to give yourself to God, to His glory. And for the good of one another. Amen.